Hey everybody, welcome back. It's uh, the four, four Star Podcast is on. Uh, today we'll do a full review of where we stand and we have another interview today that we want to uh, share with you as well. A very sharp advisor that we're working with, uh, Kristen Newton. So we're going to hear from her. She's out in our Reno, Nevada office and uh, we'll, I'll have Chris Reardon with us today. We'll talk about markets. We'll talk about what we see out there update on how the COVID is affecting the markets and what we see and then we'll uh we'll be done we're going to the fourth of july july weekend everybody should have a really good time and so let's get started with the four star podcast okay welcome back everybody to the four star podcast so here we are today is july 1st it's the first day of the second half of 2020 and i'm here once again with my trusty companion mr chris reardon chris welcome to the podcast glad to be here brian glad to join you and uh glad to be going into the fourth of july weekend and chris is our four-star director of development master of all things portfolio and the caretaker of hudson the special golden doodle puppy uh, i'm brian castle your founder and ceo of four star eagle scout national boy scout foundation trustee philanthropic advisor and chief chief dad to quinn and evan and the husband to the amazing tripty and uh we're gonna we're gonna do a little podcasting this afternoon so um by the way a little reminder if you like what you hear today please tell your friends to listen in and subscribe uh on any of the services apple itunes uh, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, all, all of the major services, uh, and also we're we're carrying a five out of five ranking, which is usually what happens when podcast companies start. So um, hopefully we don't get anything less than a five, because if we get anything less than a five, then we, then we'll never be able to get back to a five. <laughs> but but please give us fives, nothing else. Uh, but go out if you could and give us a five out of five. Give us a good ranking. Give us a good review. We'd appreciate that. So anyway. Well, Chris, let's get on with it here. So let's go through the markets. Uh, not much of a change since our last podcast, right? A little sloppiness. No, yeah. I mean, I think overall it was about a break even. I mean, we had sloppiness last week. Uh, this week, although surprisingly, the markets held up. Uh, it's kind of been this a lot of tug of war this week. You've had kind of futures markets pointing maybe to a down, slightly down market. And then the, once the market opens, it kind of fights back upwards. And mostly the market's closed up you know, maybe around 1% on average each day for this week. So overall, it's been a pretty good week this week after a sloppy week last week. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's about evened out. Well, and the good news from the investor perspective for our clients is the four-star models have been heavy in the areas of strength in the market. And we still do have one more of our positions of cash. So we've had cash and then the right stock. So we didn't get here near as bad as others did last week. Yep. So we had a really good week relatively, and then this week's been a little bit nicer to the market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think on average, we've actually performed extremely well uh, when we've had a sloppy week like last week. I think on average, just rough estimate, about 2% we gained on the market during that period. Relatively. Uh, yeah. Relatively, yeah. just on average. Um, and then I think, you know, mostly in weeks where we've had upswings, we either, either usually outperformed or kind of run um run average with what the market's doing so i think we've been in a pretty good position for the last month or two now and so we went through now the first half and the first quarter of the first half what wasn't so bad but we started to get into march and then the market started to tail off and then of course you know march april were a mess then may was a rally and all that but 
nonetheless. Um, usually, though, in really rough markets, and this was a bear market for sure because it was down at least more than 20% from the highs, mm-hmm. um, you see the strongest upswings as well. So don't we have... Uh, Chris, what is it? Yeah, so um, we've had the strongest Q2. Um, I think you have to go all the way back to 1998 when even one comes close. But we had about, I think it closed. I don't know what it closed. It's 18%, I think, was the the final verdict on Qu- it. For the quarter. For one quarter. Amazing. So that's three months yeah. uh, the market swung. And if you really think it's, you know, if you think from the bottom to the top, uh, really crazy, you know, returns there. Um, that's obviously pegging it March first or Mar- April first to um, June thirtieth. Yes. Um, you know, if you went to the lows of this, um, you know, it's a huge rally off the bottom that we saw uh, that really powered itself towards the end of May. You really saw a lot of the movement um, once things kind of started to stabilize. Yeah, and and if you look at market history, you'll see that the biggest up moves on days or weeks or months usually happen in bear markets because. There's such a panic on to sell, and the mood is so dour and, and, and negative that everyone is selling. They, we just can't handle it. Our minds completely freak out. Everyone's freaking out. And then sure enough, everything will bottom, and it's like musical chairs. Uh, you know, the chair's gone. All of a sudden, everybody's got to scramble. Boom, the market explodes upward, right? Yep. And that, so, so it seems counterintuitive, but if you look at market history, the biggest moves upward are in bear markets. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of um, anomalies. I mean, we are in unprecedented times. And uh, we talked about this, I think, two podcasts ago, maybe, where you're having a lot of people that are, you know, dabbling in the markets, trying to day trade, whether they're, they're you know, furloughed from their job and they're just at home bored and there's no sports to watch, there's nothing yeah. to do. So people are kind of taking it on themselves and they're, you know, so we're seeing run-ups on stocks that we usually don't see. We talked about Hertz. We talked about, you know, the airlines. <laughs> so there's... There's a certain amount of this that's just being driven by, I think, just the energy that's really that there's opportunity out there. There's some wild swings happening. So people are trying to take advantage of it, uh, which is causing some of the increased volatility, once again, both to the upside and in some cases the downside. And we did talk about the Hertz story, you know, and, the, and uh, you know, the, they finally pulled that uh, offering. And, but all those people bought in. Uh, just because uh, Hertz was cheap, and they thought there was, you know, that that they could make all kinds of money on this thing, and and uh, sure enough, the equity was going to be bankrupt anyway. They uh, and it was in the prospectus, but no one was reading it. Apparently, if you day traded it, you probably either made a killing on it or you got killed. I mean, that's you know, yeah. and, and the funny thing is, you know, one thing to always remember when you're making a trade, when you're buying Hertz, someone's willing to sell it. Uh, so some sucker probably bought it at six bucks a share and probably wasn't able to didn't offload it till two bucks a share. Greater fool theory didn't work that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It's uh, so I guess you know there's a crazy you know like Brian was saying you know it's it's a bear market. There's a little bit of a craziness to the market with yeah. what's going on. Well, well, the sad the sadness too is that there are some people that get involved very unsophisticated, not knowing what they're doing, and and there's a sad story of a suburban Chicago. Uh, youth, I think twenty years old. I think twenty-one. Uh, college. Who who did trade and he didn't read his. He thought he was down big. It turns out he wasn't down big, but he thought he was, and he committed suicide over it. He was really playing. Sad with, story. He was playing with op. I think it was options contracts and. Um, you know, it, just the way that one was dated for the other, it was just like in the middle of settling periods or something. And, yeah. and it showed a negative like $800,000 balance, which wasn't really there. There was an offset for it. 
Uh, but for that day or whatever, it, it showed that, and he just thought that he was in debt for eight hundred thousand dollars, and he'd never recover. Yeah, when you're when you're buying and selling multiple things in an account, and then you're turning around and you know selling things and turning around and buying things, a screen can make it look like there's a large negative. But in uh, financial accounting, on a screen, a negative is actually a positive, the kind of the way it works out. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to get confused, and unfortunately, he didn't know what he was doing. He got confused. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I mean, he thought he was down $700,000. Yep. Turns out he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. no, he wasn't at all. And uh, wrote, a wrote a note. I mean, it, it's really sad, but, Very sad. you know, it's, you know, we're dealing with real money. I mean, it's it's there, and people sometimes forget that, yeah. I think. They think it's a game. Yeah. Well, so so we had the largest up quarter in many years. Uh, we're seeing some, some bankruptcies, too, though, because a lot of companies just can't make it through the shutdowns that oh, yeah. have been all over the country. So, of course, yeah, you had a few. We had uh, the most recent, the biggest one to really start this week, uh, Chesapeake uh, Chesapeake Energy declared bankruptcy, and they are oil. And I don't know if we'll see. We, we might see a, some of the smaller ones. This might ripple out. Uh, but uh, Chesapeake Energy was one of the founders, really one of the pioneers in fracking, uh, which obviously you know has been huge with the United States. Um, but you know, I mean, they had eventually had to declare bankruptcy, and the oil, you know, the oil downturn we've really seen on the price has, um, you know, really hit a lot of these oil giants hard. Uh, I think um, Shell and BP and some of the major ones are looking at you know twenty billion dollar write downs yeah. because the price has just dropped so low <laughs> they can't value it like that. So I mean, there that could have some consequences as well on these giant companies. So. Um, this isn't the last we're really going to hear from it. You know, there, there's going to be more consequences as this kind of goes on. Yeah. Um, they're going to come out. Uh, and then, uh, Brian, I think you had mentioned earlier Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese. Anyone who's been there before, well, they couldn't quite make it through either. Uh, so they're going through bankruptcy. And, uh, you know, anybody who's raised kids probably uh, had spent a little bit of time there. Uh, those animatronic, uh, really bad pizza. The whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> but they didn't quite. They were public for a long time. They went private a number of years ago, and they couldn't make it either. So, so not everything is working, unfortunately. But, uh, but uh, anyway, but the restaurants are open in a lot of areas. And interestingly enough, one of the one of the areas that's come into our models is the consumer discretionary area, uh, and and primarily um, restaurants. So fast food restaurants, uh, wings, wing spot, wing stop, uh, wing stop, and. Jack in the Box and McDonald's mm -hmm. and Chipotle mm -hmm. and, and names like that. So so that's that's an interesting development. Uh, and then uh, uh, one company has become the most valuable car company on earth. Yep, and we've talked about it several times on this podcast. And the I'm, I would say almost historic run up it's had. But Tesla, as of today, passed Toyota to be the most valuable by market cap. I guess I should clarify most valuable company uh, car company. Uh, on the planet Earth, um, they, they I think settled today at close at about 207 billion. It dropped a little bit towards the end. So uh, Toyota's at 202 billion. Yeah. Uh, so they just passed them. Uh, it's pretty incredible. I mean that whole that story. You go back two or three years. You know it was trading at 100, 100, 200 bucks a share. Um, and there were concerns about solvency. Um, you know, and it's almost like that just kind of once that got solved or you know, they kind of figured it out and cash flow seemed to kind of, the problem seemed to uh, cease. The stock just never looked back. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. It's interesting too. And then, then you might think to yourself, why would Tesla be the most valuable car company on earth? They've only been around a while. They haven't sold that many cars. Right? No. 
And so when you think of what the impact of GM and Ford and Toyota have been on the world and the fact that they have you know, 97% of all the cars out there are from major car companies like GM, Ford, Toyota. And so why would Tesla be the most valuable company uh, in the car company, car business, right? And, and the idea, I think here, is that those companies, GM, Ford, we know what to expect from them. It's kind of like population growth. We'll have a little bit of growth in sales this year, maybe not next year. GM went through bankruptcy. So it's kind of like what we expect. There's nothing, there's no blue sky there. There's nothing exciting to excite the market. But then Tesla is coming on with big growth, taking market share. So maybe it's not fair, right? But that's what the market pays for. So the market value of Tesla is much more because the market is expecting more growth out of them. And now they're probably way overpriced right now, but they may get more overpriced, right? So it's hard to say where does the music stop there? We don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, when you really look at even from just a general perspective, Tesla's a lot more aggressive uh, than, you know, Ford, especially with how they market. Um, I mean, their CEO, Elon Musk, has been known to a throw out dumb tweets, just start into ventures without even thinking about it. And I mean, just I think one of the things that really proves, um, you know, if they can pull it off, he has really, this company in general has a uh, track record of just kind of jumping in feet first into something they don't necessarily know about and just kind of figuring it out. And it's one of those things that's like either fall on your face or you figure it out and they have huge returns and that they've been able to, for the most part, navigate it pretty well um, and I think the latest salvo is the trucking industry um, that's kind of the latest news they, they redesigned the entire truck and I, I don't know if, if you guys haven't I would recommend uh, googling the Tesla truck because if you look at it, it looks like a spaceship I mean there's one seat in the very center of the um, the truck cabin it's it's pretty cool uh, so I mean I think you know when investors are looking at it they're looking at you know between Ford and GM a good or uh, Ford GM or Ford and um, yeah GM and Tesla, right. a comparable would be like an Amazon and a Walmart. Is Walmart necessarily bad? No. But a lot of people look at Amazon as a future, um, as a pioneer really in that industry and you know something that's going to continue to take market share moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So Well, so then the other thing, Chris, is we're seeing we're seeing the 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 scaredy cat assets like gold, Bitcoin, those are starting to move up again as well. Mm -hmm. So even though we're recovering the economy, recovering the market, there's still some people that are flying to safety. So gold's it, near. Yeah, gold's near yeah. Uh, high since 2012. I think it's it's kind of uh, settled in that 17 to 1800. I think an ounce um, zone right now, uh, which is the highest it's been really since 2012. And yeah, I mean, I think some of it, you know, people making bets. You the thing you have going around going on around the world is um, a lot of the federal reserves, the Fed banks, you know, around the world or um, are pumping more and more money out there. So people are looking at it and saying at some point this is going to devalue currency. You know, you can't keep, you know, and I think it's been relatively stable, uh, but people kind of look at that and say something's got to happen. I'd rather own gold because gold's going to skyrocket. It's a tangible asset. It's always been the, the counterpoint to the dollar ever since we went off the gold standard. It's like, well, if I'm afraid of the dollar, I'll just buy gold because that's really got it's just got natural value. So, um, you know, we're starting to see that play again. Um, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, and you know, see those gold line commercials and everything. So the fear guys are out there selling fear and selling gold, gold line or you know, all the others, right? Yep. Uh, so, and then the other, the other one that's kind of replacing some of the fear, fear trade is uh, Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. And so. 
many of the former uh, you know, previous podcast listeners have heard our stories about Bitcoin. Uh, we put on a position about $1,200 per unit. And then by the end of that same year in 2017, it went parabolic. Oh, it was as high as 19000 a unit. Then it crashed down to 4000 a unit. Well, now it's back up. It was at 10000 earlier in the year. It's, you know, it faded a little bit, but it's back up to 9256 I think, as we speak. Uh, so Bitcoin is another one of those things that people buy when they're scared of the dollar and they're scared of inflation and mm-hmm. scared of the economy and scared of everything. I would, I would actually say to some degree, uh, Bitcoin is, if you're looking to completely deviate from the financial markets, is, the, the, is better than gold. Because uh, gold, even during the kind of collapse we had in March, kind of acted still with the market. It wasn't completely uncorrelated. Um, whereas Bitcoin's going to be a little bit more because gold trades in the financial system. You know, you still yeah. have contracts and dollars and everything like that. So yeah. there still is a component of the financial system. Bitcoin, you're going completely off the grid with that. Yeah, and and some some of the fierce the fear assets like gold and you know some of the other precious metals. Uh, they would not necessarily trade down as much in a market like this. They trade higher. Yep. Uh, but there was a market uh, 2008 2009 when it was a it was a credit crunch. And that was a panic to get money. No one had any money. That there were debts were high. So that was a sell them if you got them type market. And if you had gold, you sold it. If you had stocks, you sold it. If you had bonds, you sold it. You sold everything went down. Uh, even money markets broke the buck. A couple of them. So that was a much different downturn than what we just mm-hmm. went through. Now was it was a was a pandemic shutdown lockdown created bear market. And it, but it wasn't a credit panic necessarily. So that's why gold's held up. People weren't selling everything. These assets held up pretty well. Yeah, and I think the, the Federal Reserve learned some lessons from 0809 even, you know, looking at how quickly they swooped in. Um, the credit crunch wasn't there because you had the extra $600 payments for people that are unemployed and you had the, um, the ability to uh, push off some debts like your, your mortgage and stuff. So, I mean, right. they, they kind of really swooped in and, you know, only time will tell. Uh, we can't really analyze it right now but you know some people could make the case that they almost did too much you yeah. know we'll have to kind of wait and see uh once the dust is settled but um you know it's going to be interesting yeah the the impact is about nine trillion of new money put out there i think about four of it came directly from the federal government and then wow. the rest was was all fed with populating banks and raising their balance sheet so there's a lot of money out there chasing goods so we talked in previous podcasts about fear of inflation and that may come back and certain assets that always there's always money moving in different directions so there's always certain asset classes that will explode in price or certain products or whatever but, but we're talking though about fear of general inflation in the economy we haven't seen runaway inflation since the 1970s and it took massively high interest rates to to solve that uh and we're nowhere near that but we could see inflation again and then interest rates would have to go up from there to choke it off we'll see yeah i mean i think that's that's what the federal reserve hasn't even said they'd actually appreciate inflation because they mean we still haven't really seen it and they keep pumping more and more in i mean by basic economics we should see some inflation mm-hmm. um you know but i think they're just kind of waiting and seeing they're going to wait and see if um if inflation rears its head up and then kind of deal with it if it does mm-hmm. yeah so so now you know well, let's talk a little bit about the recovery so there's been talks about a v-shaped recovery right so we would do like a quick month never mind and then go right back up well well, we're not really seeing that. We're seeing, uh, certainly saw the left side of the V. <laughs> we saw that part of it. And then a little, little stub at the bottom, right? So mm-hmm. then if it kind of goes sideways and slowly rising, that would be 
what I would call the Nike swoosh recovery, right? Mm -hmm. If you look that on a chart. So I think it'll probably still play out that way. That's the way it looks like right now. Uh, the Dow Jones was was in the 29,000 range, didn't quite break 30,000 before the pandemic collapsed it all the way down to, what, 18,000, I believe it was at one point. So we're in the 25s now, so we're not, we're not breaking out. We're kind of in the trading range for a while. And then the economy also is really kicking in, but we're gonna see that we're seeing some sluggish parts of it. Mm -hmm. But then, Chris, you uh, saw some numbers on household spending, right? Yeah, I mean, we're starting to see, um, as some people are going back to work, some things are starting to come back online. Brian said restaurants are starting to open a little bit. Household spending starting to pick back up a little bit. We saw uh, household spending on goods and services rose 8.2% in May, uh, which is positive. I mean, I think, um, you know, we're going to see, like Brian said, I think a, up, a quick little uptick there. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to probably start seeing a, a normalization as things kind of settle into what the new norm is, at least in the near term. Um, you know, the only... What, what, what people were talking about, the only time we could really see maybe a V, which is a quick down and quick up, is if we had a, a vaccine right away or something. I think we're going to see, <clears throat> while we still have to have capacities and we're going to have some states go back online, come back online, I mean, there, there's going to be kind of this back and forth um, going on, I think, probably for the next you know year, hopefully a little less. But um, so we might be in this kind of sluggish, hopefully up slightly upwards pattern mm -hmm. um, until we really get a vaccine, things can return to normal. And mm -hmm. then, you know, from there, we'll hopefully normalize out. Well, in that household spending increase, you know, there's obviously a lot of concerns about spending after the coronavirus, but it, it follows a natural uh, phenomenon that no one really anticipated that there was a huge bump in the last two months in personal income because a lot of people were getting more income on unemployment. Mm -hmm. There was like a 10% bump in personal income. And then with the, with the PPP, a lot of companies were able to keep employees uh, and they paid some bonuses and things like that. So that doesn't that doesn't make sense, right? Things are really bad, but all of a sudden personal income goes up. Yep. But it just that's the way it worked out. So the household spending continued even though people were really concerned. But they spent on different things. Yeah, they weren't certainly spending on concerts and restaurants because they weren't open. <laughs> right? But they were spending on other things. So it, it's it's it just it's always interesting to see how some of these numbers happen that are very contrary to what you might think. Well, and I think you know some of this plays into what the Fed wanted. Um, you know, some of it's psychological. There, there's a big psychological aspect of finance, right? And and so if people are you know getting this little extra money and they go spend, then stores start making a little bit more. And you know, it's you can almost just psychologically work your way out of a downturn just because you know everyone just kind of starts hey i'm feeling better about this i got mm -hmm. a little extra money i'm just going to go spend it mm -hmm. the more they spend the more other restaurants it may be different it may not be in leisure but they have to hire more the more hiring that happens i mm -hmm. mean it's uh we could you know the goal would be to hopefully work our way out of it through this optimism and spending and everything yeah. like that well now and now with the, the recovery from the the big covid uh, period um, you know, many states have reopened in various phases, phase three, phase four, and every state had their own program. Uh, but then some states that opened up early are having a little bit of trouble, like Florida. Uh, Florida was the miracle. Now it's a little rough again mm -hmm. for, for the short run. But there are other states that opened early, like Tennessee and Georgia, that are not experiencing yep. any resurgence. And California, that closed a lot of things down and reopened them. Uh, they're closing their bars down again. So mm -hmm. so it's very inconsistent and it's really hard to tell. And I think there's a lot about this coronavirus that we don't know. That's really, and, and we're learning that every day because why wouldn't all the early states be rising? And, and so it's going to affect, and we talk about it in the sense of how it's going to affect commerce. 
and uh, you know we'll see. That's why all the numbers that people are going with earnings estimates. It's really, really hard to predict. We have no, really no idea because it's one week to the next. So by next week, you know, Florida will be better. Texas will be better. Some other state will have a, a rough patch. South Dakota never closed down and they're fine. So <laughs> who, who knows? Yeah, it's probably going to be, you know, everyone always likes to think, think in extremes because extremes are fun. It's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. You know, yeah. you're going to, like you said, there's going to be some states that Close down, then three months from now, they're going to start opening back up again. Other states that are open now, closed down. So it's going to be kind of this up and down, muddling through it until yeah. we kind of get to the end. The of optimism it. of a week ago has turned into short-term panic in a lot of, a lot of, uh, yep. a lot of areas in the country. Uh, so interestingly enough, American Airlines announced that they're going to fill their planes in July, and they're no longer going to keep the open middle seat open. So they're going to try and fill their planes, and they've actually got bookings to 75% of their previous full full term capacity. Mm-hmm. So that's good news, right? So hopefully there's no sickness, and and uh, you know they're not social distancing there because if they're, you know, you, anybody's been in those sardine seats, you know, it's, <laughs> you're just you're in there. It's hard. I guess right? it's it's good news depending on what perspective. For American Airlines employees, probably good news. From uh, the guy who wants to have a whole row to himself. Horrible news. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and then and then uh, in Chicago, the the visible sign of, uh, of of Chicago coming back is the Wrigleyville rooftops are going to reopen. It just came across the tape uh, at twenty five percent capacity next week. So anyway, so life is coming back. It's been a very difficult time, uh, but it's affected the economy in a big way, and you know and we're we're just watching it as it comes out. Um, some other things that we see out there, you know, we talked a lot about the liquor industry, so. As uh, the mayor of Orland Park, Illinois, did a, a widely uh, distributed video that, you know, drinking and getting drunk is approved. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, so, you know, that was essential. We had to have liquor stores open and we had pot shops open. You, know, you had to have your pot, although pot wasn't legal in Illinois uh, until January 1, but it was deemed as essential. So we had pot, we had liquor, we had all, all, the, all the, the wild stuff. But um, but there's been some negative things in that business too. The hops market is dying. Yeah, so you know, even though the liquor stores have been, um, I would say, really crowded, you're, you're getting more demand there from individual consumers. The bars are still big wholesalers, and as we talked about, the bars are either running, either getting shut down in certain states or running at 25% capacity, very limited. Um, in some states. So um, the hops industry, which all this trickles down to, you know, you have the breweries that supply the bars and the hop, you know, growers that provide the breweries. I mean, they're seeing only about 40% capacity of their fields being used as of 20 for 2021 as of right now. So that's almost that's less than half of what they, you know, sold the year before. Um, have, they've already sold. So we could see a massive drop off there and that could end up ultimately crushing that market, you know, which if that does hurt that market, that means less hop growers. Less hop growers means the, the brewers are gonna have to pay more for the hops, which means more expensive beer. And, you know, so the economics of this, a lot of people don't think about this, the supply chain, everything, but you know, it's, it can ripple through and, you know, a year from now we could have higher beer to do the things that are happening right now. It's pretty yeah. crazy to think about. Well, in in, uh, in Chicago, when everything was shut down, the liquor stores were still open. So we actually had situations, and I know this has happened in other cities, where people were going to liquor stores and then congregating in the parking lot, and big parties were breaking out. So then the mayor had to shut down the parties. So so people uh, people had a desire and a yearning to get together, 
uh, and, and liquor stores were open, so that was the only game in town. Uh, shout out to my friend Barry Merrick, who is a senior executive at Fetzer. We talked with Barry about wine sales, and similar to what Chris is saying, that you know, even though uh, the liquor stores were open and people were buying liquor at stores, all the restaurants were closed, so maybe liquor store sales were up, but it wasn't enough to make up for the decline in the restaurant, and, and Barry would, uh, would confirm that and did on a recent conversation with me. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting how things shake out, uh, but at least the liquor business is still alive, but it's still down like everything else, not yep. as much, but down. So, yep. um, and, and even in the pandemic and in, in these tough times, there is some innovation going on. So uh, Amazon is acquiring Zooks, I believe is how they pronounce it, the ro- robot taxi uh, driver. So, uh, you know, we're going to maybe have robot taxis sponsored by Amazon, Amazon right? Driverless taxis. Well, so, well yeah. we're definitely going to see more and more of this. I think, um, you know, during this, what happens a lot during these crashes, you have certain companies that you hate to use the word thrive, but have definitely fared better. Mm-hmm. And that means you have, then you have other companies that, you know, took a hit, <clears throat> uh, whether valuation or just their business in general, they become cheap, at least in the short term. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what is Amazon, Apple, some of these companies go out and they go out and just buy these companies, bring them under, you know, by the year or two that they actually bring them underneath, things have normalized out. And now they bought a company for real cheap and mm-hmm. they can in- integrate them. I know one of the ones that they're talking about was TripAdvisor, which is a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. Uh, TripAdvisor on the recent call, I think, said that they had they had cash reserves to last through, I think, the end of 2021. I mean, think about that. They could literally not have any growth or anything and still last just through 2021, which is a great sign for an investor. But obviously, growth for TripAdvisor is, you know, future growth has been significantly uh, uh, brought down. So... You know, the stock's been taking a major hit because, you know, no one's really traveling right now, especially going abroad. And um, so we could easily see a Amazon or an mm-hmm. Apple or someone buy up TripAdvisor, integrate them into their platform. And then by the time all that's done, things mm-hmm. turn around and all of a sudden, you know, Amazon now owns TripAdvisor and has all the, the reviews and all that. So, um, you know, we'll probably, it's probably not the last one we're going to see. Yeah. I mean, life's going to come back. But when we have all the anomalies of an environment like we've gone through, there's lots of opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Four Star is looking at acquisitions, our firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of advisors are joining the firm. So there's a lot happening there. So, so in some ways, it can be a very exciting time out of very negative times. And, and I recall, you know, the fact that back in the early 70s, when the oil crisis was on, I was a young teenager, or not quite teenager uh, in a couple of those years, uh, you know, Oracle was founded, Microsoft was founded, mm-hmm. right in the, in the depths of the oil crisis and the horrible 70s economies, which uh, we were growing up with in our teens. So, uh, so you know, there's always innovation. There's always good things happening. Yep. Uh, one, one more negative thing that we, we found out last week that you wouldn't think that because gun sales are off the charts a record. But Remington, the famous gun manufacturer, filed Chapter 11. Now, I think it might be something to do with the fact that they're trying to sell themselves at a bargain price to the Navajo Nation. Mm-hmm. And the Navajo wanted to, wanted to buy Remington, but before they could, they had to go bankrupt. So we're still trying to figure that one out. I think there was an interesting story there. Yeah. But but why any why any gun company would go bankrupt when gun sales are up two and threefold, uh, the normal level as they are now. 
that was an interesting one. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I I, I don't know what the. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you could get into complicated structures with it, but I know I think Indian land is sovereign land, so I don't know if there's some weird quasi ruling <laughs> going on. There's some tax expert or legal person probably knows. Yeah, <laughs> knows I, that I thought hat. that was interesting. So, yeah. Well, good. Well, I, I'll I'll, uh, I'll say this: we're getting to, to near the end of our discussion today, and you know, I was up in northern Wisconsin last weekend with two friends, and we went canoeing, and we went to some restaurants, and we went out to the beaches in the UP, that little piece of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan that comes direct down near Green Bay, and uh, it was wonderful up there. And in Wisconsin is an open state, uh, Indiana is an open state. So there are still things we can do in America, uh, even though maybe certain states are going to close down. Uh, there's still a lot of fun to be had. You know, it's been a dour time for a lot of people, um, but it felt like old times being up in northern Wisconsin, <laughs> canoeing some rivers in the rain and all the other things that went mm-hmm. on. So it was a lot of fun. So I say go out there, take a canoe trip, uh, enjoy yourselves. This is a great Fourth of July weekend, and everybody should uh, focus on family and friends and have a really great time. Uh, so I think we're going to leave it there, Chris. Sounds good. Uh, we have a uh, interview uh, that we're going to add on to the end of this as well, and we want to introduce you to our very, very smart uh, Reno, Nevada-based advisor, uh, Kristen Newton. So we're going to talk to Kristen a little bit for those who would like to get to know her and her clients. Uh, so just by way of reminder, let me do this again. Uh, we're a hit. We're five out of five. So write us a kick-ass review. Uh, please subscribe to Four Star Podcast on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. And uh, like I say, we're hitting Brazil, but we still haven't seen anyone log in from Antarctica. So we're still waiting for that. Still waiting for the uh, research stations. <laughs> so then we'll have all seven continents. Some, <laughs> some researcher is going to listen to the Four Star Podcast. Uh, and, and, and our commercial again, Four Star has a great and growing team of advisors who have access to all the models and the research and the methodology of our firm. And uh, we've had really good performance recently in this very difficult time. So if you're interested in talking to an advisor, call us 312-667-1755 or email me at bkasal at fourstarwealth.com. And we're happy to connect you with an advisor who can bring some of these great ideas to you. Uh, And on uh, closing, uh, again, have a good 4th of July. Stay tuned to our interview with Kristen. And on behalf of Laura... Chris and Chris here in our home office, Brian, Tucker, and Karen out in our East Coast operations. We are signing off until the next podcast. Have a great 4th of July. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. We're going to continue with our special advisor series. We're meeting some of the most interesting people in the country and many of them are four-star advisors. And yes, today we have with us Kristen Newton, who is a four-star advisor in the Reno office, in the Reno Lake Tahoe operation of four-star. Kristen, we're very glad to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brian. Excellent. So you're in, you're in Lake Tahoe right now, aren't you? I am in Lake Tahoe right now for the summer. Yes, I am. Wonderful. It's a great place to be. I've, we all wish we were in Lake Tahoe. Uh, you actually get to experience it, so congratulations. Well, Kristen, you're you're an advisor at Four Star, and you joined with our firm, uh, you know, after a number of other lo- stops in the industry. Uh, so we're we're looking forward to learning a little bit more about 
your practice and you and how you work with investors. Um, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, where, where did you grow up? Um, you know, what kind of a high school, college? Tell us all about yourself. Uh, yeah, sure. So I grew up in Lake Tahoe, actually. I've been here for over 35 years, and I love it uh, here. I am a, um avid snow skier and mountain woman, have you. My whole family since have moved to Hawaii, which is great because I get to go there as well. But I've been at State yeah. in the area uh, since elementary school and did go to Colorado to CU Boulder for college, uh, returned nice. from college and got a job in my 20s where allowed me to travel the world as an employee of uh, the lead singer of the Beach Boys, which was fantastic. And then um, was married and in my 30s, I had my two teenage daughters. daughters, right? Yeah, ran a family business and did all the um, the back office and operational work for a, a very successful family elevator business. And then when my girls were older, my stepfather, who's in the industry, encouraged me to look into and to pursue a career in financial advising. Um, he saw a lot of potential in me just in my my education and abilities, but also as being a woman and how the need for women in the industry. Absolutely, and there is definitely a need for women in the industry. Women control uh, more assets than men do in this world, so uh, it's a great market. So uh, it, that sounds really great. So Kristen, you've had quite a varied experience and then you got into our industry and you're very personable, able to build a business and uh, it's working out really well. Um, tell us about some of the things that you do that make you unique as a person that draw people to your practice, like hobbies and things that you believe in. I am a, not only am I a firm believer and everything that I do is for the betterment of all of humankind. I'm very active with nonprofits. I work with an environmental nonprofit, Mountain Area Preservation here in the Truckee Tahoe area that advocates for smart land use. I'm also active with a nonprofit in Reno called Urban Lotus Project, which brings yoga and meditation to at-risk teens and children. Mm -hmm. uh, those are my, my local uh, nonprofits that I am, or my, my micro have you nonprofits that I'm involved with. And on a macro scale, I'm involved with another group called Zawadisha, where I support them in their micro lending to rural Kenyan women in micro lending in the form of water tanks, uh, clean burning stoves, things that better their life. They do have to pay for these, um, for these uh, possessions and we also offer them financial literacy courses to be sure that they learn also how to have a little business and to pay back their loans. So that's my macro scale and I think it is very important to have a micro in a macro scale and again part of me and who I am and to encourage all people to be active in their communities especially if you're capable and able. I feel that that is our duty. So you're spreading commerce around the world. Commerce around the world. Nice. Well, great. So 
So then you pivoted to our industry in the financial advisory industry, uh, and it's a it's a it's a tall charge to keep. Uh, and you've been in the industry for what five or seven years now? Yeah, about seven years I've been in the industry, so I'm fairly fresh. <laughs> okay, well, where did you start? Um, I started at Stiefel Nicholas. Okay. And I was there for almost six years. I did start as just the the front desk receptionist. That was how I could get hired and get my yeah. foot in the door um, and did operations. I studied and passed the Series 7 all on my own because they did not feel that I fulfilled the requirements at that time to be in there training program. But then once I got my series seven um, designation, and then uh, after a couple of months of convincing, I was put into the, um, the training program and then yeah. through that and, and built my business there. That's great. So desire, desire is a big thing. You get where you're going if you want to go in that direction. So that's really I, 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 it was, it was definitely a lot of desire and it was a lot of, um, I, I was definitely inspired and challenged. So nice. I, I took on that challenge. So as you got into the business, you thought about what kind of an advisor you might be and who you might serve and then what, what your strategies would be. So tell us a little bit about that. What kind of clients do you have? And tell us about your investing strategy and how you serve clients. Uh, sure. So it did take me a while to, to find my, my groove, have you, in the industry. Uh, you know, your first three years, you have so much information. There's so many directions you could go. And, you know, really being successful in this business is finding that niche. And I was fortunate enough to find a niche that serves me holistically in my personal and professional life. So I build my portfolios and serve my clients and attract new clients with kind of a value-based um, approach of ESG, environmental social governments investments. Um, and I, all my portfolios are, uh, consists of those type positions. Um, I don't necessarily just use ones that are labeled that, but I do do a lot of research and find businesses that are bettering our world and leaders in the industry and, and, and innovators. Excellent. And then you do a lot of speaking in the community, too. You're very involved in the community. I am. I am part of a group um, uh, of, of women called the Social Good Wild Women. I've done a lot of speaking for them, women in investing, mm -hmm. uh, also just general, you know, investing 101, have you. I've also done speaking engagements on raising financially literate children as being a mother of two teenage daughters as well. I uh, like to spread that knowledge. Um, I have spoken on what's called uh, um, opportunity zones and also on income, uh, income, um, oh, forgetting the word now, smoothing, smoothing income. So once you right. hit retirement, right. knowing which buckets to pull from to make sure that you do have a smooth transition into your retirement as well. Nice. And I also uh, speak in some of the schools on financial literacy as well with junior achievement and teaching kids about being an entrepreneur and, and having financial responsibility as well. So you're very visible in the community. It's very impressive. It's great I stuff. Very visible and very social. <laughs> also, <laughs> <laughs> That we can tell. That we can tell. Yeah. Well, good. Sounds like you have a great practice. Sounds like you have a great vibe and how you do it all. I have to ask you this question, Kristen. Are you taking new clients? 
I am taking new clients. Yes. Thank you for asking. Let everyone know that. We got to let everyone know that, right? So, so, um, so where do you normally find your clients from besides this podcast? Where would you normally find your clients from? (laughs) Um, I, you know, I have done very little marketing. Um, I do find clients from my speaking engagements and really just through referrals. Um, I, I get referred from other clients and, and just being active in the community and people meeting me. Excellent. Well, it, it's really impressive what you've done and you've pivoted from different businesses now to the financial advisory industry. And uh, it's uh, a, great, a great thing to do because people really need the advice, they need help. These markets can be a little bit volatile at times. You know, I, I was thinking, you know, as we end the podcast, and thank you for being part of it, is there like any one message that you would like to send to everyone? And let me frame that a little bit. You know, we're, we're June 2nd today, right? And so this is like the fifth day of protests around the country about uh, racial concerns. Uh, we just went through a three-month pandemic. The country's starting to open up. So it's been a pretty wild wild couple of months here. Is there, is there a message you'd like to send to everyone in this particular day about investing? About investing, yes. Um, but about the, the protesting in the, today is also Blackout Tuesday as a day to listen and to observe um, as I think all of our hearts are really heavy right now with the protests and what's happening. Um, But with the markets and investments, um, my message would be this too shall pass. Yes. Yes. It's been a volatile time. 85% of the time the markets are going up in a normal fashion and the rest of the time we're in like a panic mode, which is what we've been in. Right. Uh, You know, and patience is, is your, is your best friend as an investor and, Again, markets go up, markets go down, but luckily they go up more than they go down. Yes, they do over time. Yeah. Well, great. Well, well, thank you for that thought, Kristen. Thanks for being with us today on the, the Four Star Podcast. And uh, let me just put it out there to everybody that uh, if you've enjoyed this, tell all your friends to sign on to the Four Star Podcast through Spotify, uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and all the services and then you'll get this regularly in your inbox in your phone. So thanks again, Kristen, for being part of this. And we'll be back with the next four-star podcast. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Bye-bye.